Yeah. All right, welcome back to DC Podcast. <clears throat> Episode three on the history of the prosperity gospel. Yeah, we're really unpacking this. Yeah, we really are. Um, but and we're really not. We're really not unpacking it. No, it's it. not. No. So, yeah, we'll give out some of the resources if you really sure, want to dig sure. into this later. Uh, but in the last two episodes, we've done a, uh, a basic overview, yeah. sort of a survey yeah. of the history of the prosperity gospel, the word of faith movement, we call it as well. And uh, we, we've, we've said in the first two episodes a reason for this. So we can point back, identify some of the common errors in the source material for Word of Faith theology, some of the heresies that go way back yeah. in church history, and make it easier to understand today what's wrong with some yeah, of these that's teachings. Right. Um, but Let, we've, we've given a bunch of examples. Yeah, let's, let's fly through and just do quick bullet point review. Point number one, I'll, I'll say it, you review it. Okay. Methodism. Oh, no, no, excuse me. Pentecostalism. Pentecostalism. So the Pentecostal idea is that there's something experiential that happens to a Christian that yeah. has to happen for you to be a Christian yeah. that's manifested in tongues Tongue or talking, some kind of sign and healing, wonder, signs, wonders, miracles. And that sort of created this expectation yeah. of the miraculous that should come with all conversions. Methodism. Methodism. We have the Wesleyan holiness movement sending itinerant preachers out into the Americas, uh, trying to reverse engineer real revival right. with something we would call revivalism. Right. So you have un, uh, so you have these these pastors who are not being held accountable by local congregations or by church governance of any kind, yeah. and they are uh, uh, playing on this emotionalism, this uh, miracles and signs and wonders, and trying to create that atmosphere by manipulation, essentially. Yeah, that's right. And somebody says something crazy in a tent revival, nobody's there to check it. That's right. Okay, the Gilded Age. Okay, Gilded Age is a post-Civil War sort of time period where there was a strong emphasis on self-improvement, on yeah. self-mastery, on physical and mental strength, and sort of your, your self-made man kind of Scientific developments. Same time period, you've got suddenly the the recognition of the germ world yeah. in medicine. You have the electromagnetic magnetic spectrum becoming yeah. a reality where we have phone communication. And so this invisible world... Of, that we've seen in science is, is opening up possibilities in technology and leading people to think, wow, maybe my mind and my words yep. could have some influence on this invisible world. At the same time, yep. Philosoph philosophy. we see this Neoplatonic influence in philosophy where there's this idea that there, there are objectively things out there like goodness and faith and, and I can interact with those and some of my interactions can correspond to these real mm -hmm. things which are disembodied and separate from our creator new thought mind power positivism yeah this is the the metaphysical cult that grew out of all of this so we have mary eddie baker mary baker eddie in the christian science yeah. uh sort of slapping a christian veneer on the same thing but essentially it's this positive view not not like positive like i hope this all works out right positive like i can interact with the world and create and change my situation through positive thinking that's right manipulation i can manipulate the world by my thoughts and by my speech ew kenyon yeah so kenyon is one of the first guys to do a christian version of this so kenyon was heavily influenced by the early sort of pre-pentecostal teachings of faith curing so he followed this idea that I could, through faith, heal all of my physical ailments because Christ on the cross purchased that for me. He was one of the first guys to start saying, you need to demand that of God. Yeah. Uh, he also is heavily influenced by higher life theology in the Keswick movement, which said that faith 
was the way we could have this victory over sin and sickness in our yeah. lives. Faith was the mechanism that we then used to have access to this reality. Uh, but he was also heavily influenced by this new thought, mm -hmm. by this metaphysical cultic influence that said that you really can manipulate the reality around you through faith and thinking. Yeah, wow, that is a fantastic summary. I don't know how long it was because I didn't start my timer, but I think we got that, what you say, under three minutes? Yeah, that's pretty good. Not okay. bad. Not, not too bad. We're going to wrap it up now, though. Wrap, yeah, we're going we're gonna to finish with this episode. We're going to talk about the things like the introduction of wealth yeah. into the word of faith movement. What people don't know is that when we talk about the gospel of health and wealth, uh, wealth was not always there. That's right. Uh, this gospel was predominantly concerned with things like healing and health. Uh, for the majority of the time because that was kind of the main pressing issue you know everybody dies and before medicine and antibiotics you cut your fingertip on a rosebud and now you know you're going to go septic and die and you know the doctors aren't very good and so uh you know it's very health oriented it, it began with holiness yeah you can be perfectly holy right. in this life right now yeah so said the holiest movement so said uh the keswick school right, right, right. then it became health as health, well now right. you can be holy and be healed well, then you have wealth. Yeah. In order to understand this, you have to return back to the Gilded Age. You have to understand that what was happening in this post-Civil War Reconstruction era, um, you have a very prosperous America. You have a booming economy. You have, you know, the Industrial Revolution. How was that? Just like that. That was just, oh, that was fantastic. A lot of people are getting really rich, really fast. You have men like Andrew Carnegie, you know, uh, so, uh, John D. Rockefeller, men that are so rich that when like the government's in trouble, they go to these guys to get loans to stay afloat. Okay, so, but uh, one of the most famous uh, photo essays of all time was uh, a work called The Other Half, where this lady went around and took pictures of some of the poorest people in America in Lower East Manhattan, and it was a time of great wealth, but it was also a time of great poverty mm -hmm. okay i mean tremendous poverty if you were rich you were really 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 rich and if you were poor you were really really poor there's an influx of immigration and you know you have people living 130 into a three-room tenement i mean you were paying five cents a day to be able to live in a room for your survival and so uh that is the age in which this comes up now what you see is uh the health aspect really takes off in the pentecostal kind of uh, earthy churches the wealth aspect really takes off in the mainline Protestant churches where the wealthy people go, you know, mm -hmm. churches like Norman Vincent Peale, we're going to come back to him, but where very wealthy people, people from the upper side of Manhattan go to church, uh, they start focusing on the wealth aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and there's probably more that could be said there. Like, for example, it didn't really take off until after World War II. So we had the Great Depression and then we had World War II and that really boosted the economy. And after the economy boosted and the and uh, Americans were prospering, uh, the poor person would see that rich person over there rise up two levels out of uh, poverty, and they would go, "Man, how do you do that?" Yes. Well, it's just a perfect seedbed for the mm -hmm. wealth uh, to be added to the gospel. Um, anything on that? Nope. Good summary. Yep. Uh, the main actors of the continuing development of the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel, Kenneth Hagen. Kenneth Hagin was the guy who really took E.W. Kenyon's banner and ran with it. And when I say took his banner and ran with it, I mean plagiarized him substantially. Literally plagiarized a great amount of Kenyon's work. Yeah, that's it was right. a mass plagiarization. And he does in his work in the very beginning, you know, there's a postscript 
you know, I, I look to him as an influence, but mm. he directly takes quotes from him without attribution. Right. Uh, and, <coughs> and then says that that's revelation from God. Yeah, that's right. And he had phenomenal success, tremendous popularity. Uh, he probably did more to popularize the prosperity gospel than maybe anybody else in the early days of the movement. Okay. Uh, after that, you have Oral Roberts. Um, Oral Roberts, same thing, you know, uh, came after Kenneth Hagin, but he was the first guy to open up a school. Yes. Right? Tulsa, now, Oklahoma. Yeah. Now, uh, there was Bethel Bible College where E.W. Kenyon did some teaching and stuff like that, but this is like the seminary. Mm-hmm. This is where you come trained. Th- this is the birth of Word of Faith as its own sort of denomination. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, uh, oh, did I skip a page? Because there's somebody on here that I'm not seeing that I wanted to talk about. Oh, Kenneth Copeland, there he is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Oral Roberts University is still thriving today in Oklahoma. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I maybe once every couple of months meet somebody who says that, you know, they went to school out there. And I said this in the last episode. I think we may have said it in the first one. It's important to point out that some of the people from the, the Pentecostal <laughs> uh, sort of Christian camp are the biggest critics of the Word of Faith movement. Mm-hmm. Some of them from Oral Roberts. Um, mm. So Daniel McConnell who is in the 80s, like kind of spearheaded tackling this mm. problem was from that university. Would you call him the Martin Luther of the Pentecostal world? <laughs> yeah? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I'll give him a little bit. Don't want to insult Martin Luther. Uh, okay, so the next big guy to really take the scene is Norman Vincent Peale. Mm. Norman Vincent Peale, uh, a mixture of Dutch Calvinism, which I, I feel like I, uh, I don't even want to admit that, but he would say that. He would. And if you look at some of his stuff, a mixture of Dutch Calvinism, a mixture of word of faith theology, but also a mixture of psychology. So he's one of the first guys to really add the psychological component to this, right? And to, um, to really uh, emphasize like mental health as part of the benefits How of the gospel. How to make friends and influence people. That's right. This yeah. is the self-help aspect. Absolutely. And if you want to understand the tremendous uh, uh, influence that Norman Vincent Peale has had on American religion in general, not just the word of faith, prosperity gospel theology, you need to look no further than Donald Trump. President Trump. Uh, uh, Trump was a member of his church in Manhattan for many, many years. And when you look at Donald Trump's uh, way that he talks about himself and his environment and everything else. It is just straight out of the Norman Vincent Peale handbook. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Next big character, Kenneth Copeland. Now, Kenneth Copeland actually got his start as kind of like an intern for Oral Roberts. Okay. He was a chauffeur. He was the airplane. Kenneth Hagen. Kenneth Copeland. Kenneth Copeland. Kenneth Hagen was the first guy. Yeah. Kenneth Copeland was the second guy. Right. Kenneth Copeland worked for Hagen. Kenneth Copeland, no, worked for Oral Roberts. Oh, okay. Yeah. Got it. Okay. <laughs> We're there. Okay. So how, Kenneth, how do we get to Kevin Bacon from here? <laughs> yes. That's what I'm trying to figure out. It was married to Lisa Marie Presley. Okay. Okay. There it is. Uh, yeah. So Kenneth Copeland was uh, the chauffeur, the pilot, and the concert singer for Oral Roberts' traveling band, mm. right? So as they would go and do these big ministry events and, you know, 15,000 people would come out to hear Oral Roberts' nonsense. Kenneth Copeland was right next to him the entire time being trained up and discipled. And once he kind of took his own platform, he was really the guy to push and make it super big. And none of that really would have been possible if it was not for him being open to putting his act 
on television. That's right. Which leads us to our next, and we'll probably say the final final character in the development and the solidification of the prosperity gospel is uh, uh, religious television. TBN. You know, it, it, the, the tent revivals and the traveling circus show, it was helpful for the prosperity gospel and for all this bad theology, but it was just slow. Hmm. It was limited. Yep. And, you know, it was it was limited in more ways than just, like, speed and time. It was also limited in, like, sometimes these guys would show up to a town and, like, a good Reformed church would run them off. Yes. You know, or not even a Reformed church. Just, just a healthy like church. A, yeah, just a healthy Baptist church would just, they would send them on the road. But now you don't have to set up a tent. You don't have to advertise. You don't have to get people there. You don't have to deal with the heat. All you got to do is... Turn on the television. That's right. There's there's no pastor hiding in your room to protect you from what you see on television. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're flipping through and you see Joe Olstein's lovely smile. You know, you're like, oh, that guy looks like a nice guy. Bet whatever he has to say is probably pretty pretty yeah. good. Yeah. It's um, a direct line into your home. Yeah, direct line. By the end of the 1970s, religious television was earning one billion with a B billion dollars now uh, my seven-year-old still thinks that billion is more than uh is less than a million but that's not true <laughs> it's not true billion is several millions together got it several 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 of them <laughs> a couple of them in fact uh but and you also have to account for inflation and think this was back in the 70s yeah that's like the equivalent of today in billions one million one dollars million dollars but I mean, it was so much money and it just became this titan industry. So you have CBN, TBN, uh, Daystar, you know, mm-hmm. all these things just mm-hmm. opening up and flourishing. And now come the Tammy Faye Bakers and, yeah. the, you know, the big pink haired and, you the know, Benny the Hens Benny Hens. And, yeah. and now what they're doing is they're combining forces. So like the way an artist will make a, uh, an album and then go out and tour to promote his album. If you notice, a lot of guys, they drop albums right before they tour because they know they'll have that initial surge. But then they'll go and they'll have this fantastic concert experience where people will go, that was amazing. And then they go in the back and they buy the merch and they buy the albums. Same thing happening here. You know, they'll do the TV and then they'll go on their traveling road show and they'll sell their prayer cloths and they'll have their offerings. And so they're just raking in the dough. And it's fascinating, too. You can see there some of these older guys in the movement, um, like Kenneth Copeland, are passing the torch off to younger prosperity preachers. So today, an example of Kenneth Copeland passing it off to? Todd White. Yeah. So and, And what's fascinating about this is I've had interactions with guys who I've known for a long time who are very uh, much opposed to us calling out, for example, a guy like Todd White. <coughs> say, hey, he's a brother. Yeah, maybe there's some extremes in his ministry, uh, but he's not preaching a false gospel. He's not into sure. the prosperity, word of faith stuff. And we'll say, no, they, he is. Look at what he's teaching. Look at yeah. what, look he at literally the fruit called of his Kenneth Copeland his greatest mentor. Well, then this happens. And we see suddenly now he's publicly identifying yeah. with Copeland. And these same guys said, well, yeah, we know Copeland's not a, we know he's a false teacher. But but now we see the public identification of these two together, and yeah. and we see the passing of the torch. And, it, and you're not just saying this to vindicate yourself. No, I'm vind- I'm saying it actually helps clarify yeah. the same influence, the same strain of theology is working in many different uh, public figures, public preachers, and teachers, even if they have a different outward veneer. Yeah, you know maybe. Maybe your pastor's a little more hip. Maybe he, yeah. maybe the music is a little bit more modern. Yeah. Maybe he de-emphasizes wealth and emphasizes healing. Yeah. It's still the same theology. Yeah, and maybe he does a little bit better job of preaching the Bible in maybe some so. instances. You know, which we've but, said before as well with, yeah. with this 
with this theology. Yeah, that's right. Um, I think the last thing to talk about is the, the, the Jesus people movement, which a lot of good came from that. You know, it kind of grew out of the hippie culture and mm. people were open to love and Jesus is love. It's also judgment, but a lot, you know, a lot of people were, were saved through the Jesus people movement. But what grew out of that was an openness to new experiences and new yes. ways of looking at things. And so, you know, what, where as a Christian, you typically would have been put off by this really weird experience of this guy coming in and going, you know, you're, you would have been freaked out by that. Well, now, you know, who knows? Yeah, don't judge. Don't judge, you know, maybe it could be the Holy Spirit working in him right now. <laughs> yeah, and the Holy Spirit, he does things to confuse people. Right. You know, and which which gets to roots, shoots, fruits. Uh, when your theology is causing disunity and, and confusion. confusion and lack of clarity, yeah. we have a serious problem. Yeah. And so we're going to talk more about that in the future. In the future, yeah. And so I I think that this this phase, the 70s, uh maybe early 80s is where I think the the cement sets, mm. right? So we've been pouring in the rocks, the sand, the water, the rebar. We've mixed it all up. We've we've laid it out, and we have it. It's sitting right there, and, and that that happens very early on, right? That happens in the the twenties, thirties, forties, and then like for the fifties and the sixties, it's just kind of setting, curing, and curing, and then in the seventies, it's it cures completely, and yeah. then. 80s, 90s, and, and now it's just all different variations of the same thing, from T.D. Jakes to Creflo Dollar to Joel Osteen. Uh, it's, it's some of it's stronger, some of it's weaker, some, of, but it's all just the same thing. Right. Now. Some of it emphasizes health more, some of it wealth more, some sure. of it happiness more. Yeah. But you see the same continual threads throughout. Yeah. So, Russell, what books should people read if they want to uh, supplement what they've heard in this podcast? Yeah, we already recommended the Word of Faith controversy. I think that's a really good one even to hand to people who maybe aren't so sure what they believe sure. about this because it's very ironic in its approach. Uh, for for J Pastor J.D. here, who may not know what ironic means. Uh, it's, it's charitable and it and attempts to paint things very objectively. It doesn't, yeah. it does take a side. So it's not, so it's polemical. It, it is, but it's ironic, but it's very charitable and very balanced in okay. its approach. And now, is, is it academic? It is a little academic. Is that the one that's sitting over there? That's the one. Okay. So blessed was another one. Blessed. Also a little academic written by, uh, Kate Bowler, who after she wrote it, got cancer, um, much to the. I think probably joy of many of the people uh, that she interacted with as she was writing that book. Um, the most thorough uh, history and a readable history of the prosperity gospel. It's it's my number one recommendation. I would say like if you just want to read from beginning to where we are now, that's the book to read. And I'd then, recommend uh, Higher Life Theology if yeah. you're interested in that, which I do think was a big influence in this movement. Uh, would you be, wouldn't recommend the theology. No, I would recommend Andrew Nicelli's No Quick Fix. Which is the uh, popular version of his PhD work. Right, and so I'm trying to get away from the academic right, stuff. Right, right. This is actually a, a real short, really helpful read uh, to kind of break down what, what Higher Life Theology is yeah. and, and its influence in American Christianity. Yeah. Anything else, brother? I don't think so. Thanks for sticking with us through three episodes of history. We hope you were encouraged and equipped to defend and confirm the gospel. That's right. Next, we're going to be talking about the shoots and the fruits. We're going to get into the actual doctrines of the word of faith. Every theology. time you say root shoots and fruits, I can't help but laugh. Anyways, go ahead. And uh, <laughs> now you've thrown me off. Sorry. Uh, so we're going to we're going to talk about the doctrines, and we're still planning to have an episode where we very gently and charitably 
rebuke and yeah. refute all of that. Do you like how I got rebuke in there? I saw that, yeah. We're going to refute all of the Word of Faith theology uh, that is is commonly taught so that you can share that episode with people who may be yeah. sucked into that world and yeah. need to hear it. And also send in your questions. Yeah, right? please do. Yeah, send yeah. questions, uh, comment the questions in this episode or uh, send them to us via Facebook, Twitter, wherever you see this posted. Yep, that's it. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Bye.